0: This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillahi al-Dhati-Azim, Al-Sifati Samih simati Kabir al-Shain, Jalil al-Qadir al-Rafi'i al-Dhikri, Mutail al-Amri Jalil al-Burhan, Fakhim al-Ismi Ghazil al-Ilimi, Wasil al-Hilmi kathir al-Ghufraan, جميل الثناء جزيل عطاء مجب الدعاء يعميم الإحسان سري الحساب شديد العقاب أليم العذاب عزيز السلطان ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له في الخلق والأمر ونشهد أن محمد عبده ورسوله المبعوث إلى الأسود والأحمر المنعود بشرح صد ورفع الذكر وصلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه الذين هم خلاصة العرب العرباء وخيل الخلاقي بعد الأنبياء أما بعد فيأتيه الناس واحد الله فإن توحيد رأس الطاعات والتق الله فإن تقوى ملاك الحسنات وعليكم بالسنة فإن سنة تتهدي إلى الاطاعة ومن اطاع الله ورسوله فقد رشد وهتدى وإياكم البدعة فإن البدعة تتهدي إلى المعصية ومن يعص الله ورسوله فقد ضل وقوى وعليكم بالإحسان فإن الله يحب المحسنين ودعوه فَإِنَّهُ مجيب الداعين والصغفروه يمدكم بأموال وبنين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن السمع والبصر والفواد كل أولئك كان عنه مسؤوله. The Prophet sallallahu الله عليه teaches us a very important and vital lesson. When the Prophet ﷺ tells us, ra'in, wa Each and every single one of you is in a position of responsibility. And each and every single one of you will be asked about the responsibility that they were given, that they were entrusted with. I wanted to talk about the lessons of leadership and I'll explain how that pertains to each and every single one of us. But I wanted to talk about this particular lesson here today because it's important to understand exactly what conversations are going on and what our context is and to be relevant to our times. That obviously this coming Monday is Martin Luther King Day and whenever that, oper- whenever that occasion, that moment comes around, there's always a lot of discussion about leadership. There's a discussion about the legacy of the man, there's a discussion about the very uh, remarkable work that he and others at his time, like our dear brother Malik al-Shabazz, Malcolm X, rahmahullah ta'ala, were able to do. Having said that, there's also a lot of discussions pertaining to leadership. And so I thought that while we will hear and we will read and we will you know, be seeing a lot of discussions pertaining to leadership, that we have a little bit of a perspective about the prophetic paradigm of leadership. How is leadership defined within the Qur'an? How is leadership demonstrated within the example of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam? So when we look at the leadership of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, the Qur'an first and foremost defines the most essential qualities of leadership. The most vital, the most necessary, the most essential. And that is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the Prophet sallallahu introduces the Prophet sallallahu to humanity. And when Allah says, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ There came to you a messenger from amongst you. That leadership, the most effective form of leadership is one that is from amongst the people. And what that means, what that necessitates is not only that for future generations... Looking forward into the future and the future of our community, we should always be concerned about cultivating leadership from within the community. That is something that has to constantly de- be taking place, and that's something we as an entire community have to work together in regards to. How do we develop? How do we foster? How do we encourage? How do we bring up the future generations of leadership? That these young men and women that we see that have the character and have the passion and the desire to teach them, to mentor them, to grow them, to facilitate them, to encourage them, and bring them up together as a community. This was something the Prophet did very, very effectively. One of the remarkable things that is narrated in the Musnad of Bazzar, a very famous compilation of hadith, he mentions that at all times, particularly in, during the era of Medina, there were always constantly 20 young people that were always around the Prophet ﷺ. 20 young men who were constantly around the Prophet ﷺ. Learning from him, praying with him, eating with him, walking with him, talking with him. And the Prophet ﷺ invited these young men and he made them spend time with him to cultivate them. That's why it's no surprise that the next generation was in such good hands. When you had people like Mu'ad bin Jabal, when you had people like Abdullah bin Umar, and Abdullah bin Abbas, and Abdullah bin Amr bin Al-As, Anas bin Malik, and the list goes on and on. When you had these people, this is why the next generation of Muslims that came along, and while the Sahaba are always superior, and they always have their virtue that is written in stone, but the Sahaba themselves would say, when sometimes somebody would come to, with a question about the Quran to Abdullah ibn Abbas, he would send them to the, his own student, Bahaq. Go and ask him. Abdullah ibn Umar, radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, someone asked him a question of the seerah, and he pointed to Muhammad ibn Ishaq, and he said that we were there, but he knows it better. We were there, but he knows it better. That's why Islam grew and flourished so remarkably in that next generation, that till today, most of our scholarly heritage goes back to that particular generation. The answers to our questions, the wisdoms embedded within the Qur'an and the life of the Prophet ﷺ, still we refer back to that generation. The Prophet ﷺ understood this was a task. So that narration I mentioned of Bazaar where he constantly had 20 young people around him all the time, learning constantly, developing them, mentoring them, training them. And then on top of that, you had the Prophet ﷺ who took someone like Muadh bin Jabal anhu under his wing and started teaching him from very early on. So much so that even before the Prophet ﷺ departed from this world, before he passed away, he was able to trust. He then encouraged Muadh. He sent him to start leading prayer for the people of Banu Salama who were right on the edge, on the outskirts of the city of Medina. They needed their own salah for Fajr and Isha because they weren't able to make it into the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ. There were many people. There was Abu Bakr in Umar, Uthman Ali, radiallahu taala anhum There were many people, but the Prophet ﷺ sent Mu'ad bin Jabal, a young 20-something-year-old man who had been learning from the Prophet ﷺ for the last five, six, seven years. He sent him to go start leading prayers for them. And guess what? Mu'ad bin Jabal messed up. He made a mistake. As everybody does when they're learning how to do things. They come to the Prophet ﷺ and they say he prolongs the prayer. He makes it too long. We come in late at night from the fields and then he starts leading these long prayers and it becomes very difficult. One man came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, I started skipping the congregational prayer because he takes too long. And the Prophet ﷺ called him and reprimanded him, and told him the proper way to do things. But guess what he did then? Then he said, now go back and lead it properly. He didn't banish him. He didn't write him off. See, this is why we don't have these young people do these things. No, no, no this is why we have these young people do these things. And when the Prophet ﷺ went to Makkah for the conquest of Makkah, before he left Makkah, he left Mu'adh bin Jabal anhu there, now teach these people their deen. With Makkah. He trusted him with Makkah with the Kaaba, with the Haram. And then before the Prophet ﷺ departed from this world, he again sent Mu'ad bin Jabal to Yemen. Now go teach them their This was the methodology of the Prophet ﷺ. We have to have this perspective in our community of constantly creating, creating a fostering, a nourishing environment where we grow, we raise people. And we develop people for the future. The Prophet teaches us, and hikma tu Wisdom is to have foresight. The second thing is, in, in perspective of this, that. We, when it comes to understanding the development of the, the future leadership of the community, the, 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 the ayah tells us that the leaders from, must be from amongst the people. Number one, we need to develop leaders from within the community. Number two, if I already find myself in a position of leadership, even though I might not be from amongst the people, that happens. That happens, we've seen it in our communities many, many times. And this is not to speak ill or downgrade or diminish the role of our senior scholars. They are extremely respected and revered by us. They are necessary for us. They have the wisdom, the experience that we do not possess. But what it becomes a responsibility of that senior leadership who might not be from the actual people, it becomes their responsibility to sit with the people then. Spend time with the people. That's why the Prophet the Prophet never ate alone. He never ate alone. He always sat and ate with somebody else. He would sit with the people, the Medina, the Ansar, the Prophet was not from Medina. But by the end of his life, you wouldn't be able to tell that if you came to Medina for the very first time, you wouldn't be able to tell that he wasn't a Medina because of his relationship with the Medinan people. When he told the Medinan people that if all of humanity went one way and the the Ansar of Medina went the other way, I'd go with the Ansar. When he told the Medinan people, the Ansar, the Sahaba, he told them that today, let everyone take things home today and you take home the Messenger of Allah. He was born in Meccan, but he passed away in Medinan. And he said on the Day of Judgment, I will be resurrected amongst the people of Medina." He became from amongst the people and he won their hearts. So that's the second introdu- second responsibility of leadership. In this introduction to leadership that Allah gives us in the Quran. Azizun anitum. The second thing Allah tells us about the leadership of the Prophet is Azizun anitum harisun alaykum. that he feels your pain and he's worried about your well being. He feels your pain, and he is fully invested and concerned and worried about your well-being. That level of empathy, that level of care and consideration, selflessness, it is not just to care about somebody, but it is to care about somebody while caring less about yourself, which is in one word we call it empathy. To feel somebody else's pain, to cry with people, to sit with people, to laugh with people. To share in their joy and their happiness, but also their sadness and their sorrow. To care more about people than you even care about yourself. That's that empathy of the Prophet ﷺ. After the battle of Uhud ends, the Prophet ﷺ suffered so much on the day of Uhud. He himself was brutally injured, his face was bleeding, his lip was busted, his teeth were broken and cracked. His cousin was murdered, killed. His uncle was not only martyred, killed, but he was mutilated. His body was torn apart afterwards. He had to break the news to his aunt about her little brother that this is what the, what's happened to him. And the Prophet ﷺ was struggling so much. The sahaba said that when he looked at the body of Hamza, his uncle, there was so much pain that he felt that we could physically hear his chest like grinding. So much pain and difficulty he felt. Now think about somebody in that much pain, in that much suffering, in that moment, just having buried 70 of his own companions, his friends, his students, the people he had worked on. And amidst all of that, while he's dealing with all of this, he looks across the room and he sees Jabir. Jabir is a young man, 20 something years old. And his father was killed in Uhud. And Jabed was very close to his father. And he was heartbroken at the loss of his father. And Jabed had seven younger sisters. And overnight, literally, he became a father to seven little girls. Because his father said, if anything happens to me, they're your responsibility. So this 20-year-old man goes from losing his father, his best friend, his mentor and then inheriting basically the responsibility of seven children, seven minors. Can you imagine? He's standing there just dazed. Tears streaming down his face, just dazed. Where, what do I even do? Where do I even begin? And the Prophet is in so much physical, emotional pain. And in the midst of all of this, he has the ability to look across the room, see Jabir's face and say, "Jabir needs me. Jabir needs a shoulder to cry on right now. And the Prophet immediately puts his own pain aside. And he walks across the room and he embraces Jabir. And Jabir cries on his shoulder. And he tells him, Don't worry, son, don't worry. Allah has honored your father. Since the moment he found the battlefield, Allah sent angels to spread their wings over his body so the sun would not touch his body. Your father is in Jannat al Don't worry, son. It'll be okay, I'm here for you. This was the empathy of the Prophet To be able to put somebody else's pain aside and focus. After the battle of Mu'tah, the Prophet lost his cousin, who was like a younger brother to him, Ja'far. He lost the, the basically he kind of like his adopted son, Zayd bin Haritha. So much loss was suffered. But the widow of Ja'far was mourning and he goes over to her home. And he puts his own pain aside and he sits down and he consoles her. And she says, what about my kids, my boys? They're gonna grow up without their father. Who's gonna take care of them? And he said, why do you worry? I'm here. I will be here for them in this world and the next. And then amidst all that pain, look what the Prophet ﷺ is able to do. He notices that their hair is kind of getting big. They're getting messy looking, the kid, the boys, the, the little kids. So he asked for some scissors and he ﷺ sallam Sayyidul Wal Akhirin, the leader of all of humanity, the leader of all the prophets, he sits there and gives these boys a haircut. Cuts their hair, says, Look at them, they look beautiful. This is the empathy of the Prophet. The second lesson in leadership, Allah teaches us in the Quran from the example of the Prophet is that we have to put others before ourselves. Now, no one's saying that this is easy and no one's saying that this will not be difficult, but we must that is what is required that is the mandate that's what's necessary bil raufun rahimun and particularly with those who are within the fold those who are our subordinates those who have to listen to us those that we might have some type of authority over we have to remember to be very merciful and very kind and compassionate with them just because you do have power over someone doesn't mean that you have to exercise it. Just because you do have authority over someone, doesn't mean that you have to bring it crashing down on their heads. Mercy and compassion, that is what inspires people. That is what wins people. That is what brings about loyalty. These are the lessons and leadership from the Qur'an that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lays out for us through the example of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi I wanted to add a couple of things that the Prophet ﷺ teaches us from just one particular story that I found very remarkable. Towards the end of the life of the Prophet ﷺ in the ninth year of Hijrah, يَدْخُلُونَ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ أفواجاً, When people were coming into Islam, tribe after tribe, wave after wave, delegation after delegation, it's called the Amul wufud. Delegations were just flying into Medina, constantly. And the Prophet ﷺ was receiving people, and they were embracing Islam, accepting Islam, and going back home with their message. One delegation that comes to the Prophet ﷺ has already become Muslim, but have come to accept Islam, Have come to meet the Prophet ﷺ and give the oath of allegiance to the, the Prophet ﷺ. Was a tribe, Banu Abdul Qais. Banu Abdul Qais, this was a tribe. They had been traveling from very far for very long. There were about a half a dozen individuals in the delegation. When they arrived there in Medina, they were so anxious and so excited to see the Prophet ﷺ that as soon as they arrive outside the masjid, they all just jump off their camels, their animals, leave them wherever they're out wandering about. They just jump off and they just run inside the masjid to see the Prophet ﷺ. I mean imagine somebody just pulls up right outside of here, leaves the car running, leaves the door open and just walks right in. And the car's door open running outside. Like that. Half a dozen of them. The leader of the tribe who was in the delegation, his name was Ashaj. Ashaj, he sees this, he says, this is not right, this is not appropriate. So he goes and he ties his camel up properly. He gets all their animals, ties them up properly. Then he removes all the valuables of their belongings, takes them off, you know, gathers them together. Then he realizes we've just come off the road, traveling for days and nights on end. So then he takes out a clean pair of clothes. He goes and he washes and cleans himself up and he puts on a nice clean pair of clothes. And then he walks into the masjid. Now he's missing out. They're already in there for 30 minutes with the Prophet ﷺ. He's missing out. When he gets inside, what does he see? He sees that the Prophet ﷺ is sitting there quietly, just looking down, just sitting there quietly, and the rest of the delegation is just sitting around him quietly. The Prophet ﷺ, when they came in, he asked them, he said that, where's your leader? And they said, oh, I think he's outside just tying things up. The Prophet ﷺ said, then we shall wait for him. And he just sits there quietly. And when Ashaj walks in, the Prophet ﷺ says, "Ahlan, welcome, welcome. And he makes room for him next to him. He says, come sit here with me. He greets him and sits him down. And then the Prophet ﷺ then begins speaking and addressing the people. And the Prophet ﷺ at that time says something really remarkable. He says, إِنَّ فِيكَ khaslataini, You have two qualities. يُحِبُّهُمَ Allah. God loves these two qualities. Al-himu wal-anat, literally translated, formally translated. If the brothers can kind of scoot in, let's make some room at the door, inshallah. al hilm often is translated as forbearance, but it just means like this very patient, wise approach to things, a very thoughtful approach. Al-anat refers to serenity and calmness. You have just a lot of thoughtfulness, you are very thoughtful and deliberate in your action, and you are very calm and relaxed. And Allah loves these two qualities. And the Prophet ﷺ, he commented on what a remarkable leader he was. And this is why some of the hukamah, some of the great scholars of the past have given us this piece of wisdom. They say, Sayyidul Qawmi Khadimuhum. The scholars say, Sayyidul Qawmi Khadimuhum. A true leader of the people is one who serves the people. A true leader serves his people. Doesn't bark order to his people, but he serves his people. And I wanted to finally kind of wrap this all up because we're talking about leadership. And as I said in the very beginning, someone might be listening to this thinking, well, how does this relate to me at all? I'm not in a position of leadership. I'm not in political office. I'm not the president of the board. I'm not the imam of my community. I'm et cetera, et cetera." I'm not in a position of leadership. What does this have to do with me? Aside from maybe being able to just gauge everyone else's leadership qualities. What does this have to do with me? The, remember the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, I started with, كُلُّكُمْ رَاعِينَ No, 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 no. Everyone is a leader in some capacity or another. We just don't think about it. We don't realize it. If you are a father, you are in a position of leadership within your home, your children. If you are a mother, you are in a position of leadership with your children. You have to raise your children. You have to teach your children. You have to guide them, mentor them, teach them. If you are even an older sibling, you're in a position of leadership for your younger siblings. If you are a little bit more senior amongst some family members, you're in a position of leadership. If you're more senior amongst a group of friends, you're in a position of leadership. If you're a teacher in a classroom, you're in a remarkable position of leadership. And the list goes on and on. It's just a matter of us understanding that. And what we are witnessing in the world right now, we are witnessing a crisis of leadership. We, we very well know about the crisis of leadership that we are witnessing on the political landscape right now. It's tragic. Day by day it unfolds. And so I wanted to end and conclude here though with a little thought and a reflection. There's a qawl that is attributed to Al-Hasan al-Basri rahmahullah ta'ala. Al-Hasan al-Basri, the great student of the sahaba, the tabi'i, he has commented something. He says, a very famous quote, many people are familiar with it. He says, The people who govern you are a direct result, reflection, consequence of your deeds. The people who govern over you are a direct result of your deeds. They are a reflection of your actions. And that's why he goes on to say, he goes on to explain, and he goes on to explain. As you will be, you shall be governed. As you will be, you will be governed. And this is the the the, the connection I wanted everyone to make at the end. If at the greatest levels, at the biggest levels, at the highest levels, if that leadership is reflective of us, that leadership at the highest levels is oftentimes reflective of how we handle our positions and responsibilities of leadership at the micro level. When, we, when I, when you, when all of us are not handling our responsibilities at home properly, in our social circles, in our extended families in our communities, when we're not handling our responsibilities properly, that does have a spiritually negative impact and effect, where we see a breakdown in the system all the way up to the top. <coughs> and Imam Malik rahimu told ta'ala taught us, لَا آخِرُ إِلَّا بِمَا أولها. That the end of this ummah no matter how much later we're talking about, 1400 years later, the way that the humanity, the ummah, will be rectified, will be corrected, is in the same way it was corrected the first time around. And that's going to have to start with each and every single one of us. And whatever impact we're able to have. wa lakum fil Qur'an al Wa nafani wa wa hakim Astaghfirullah wa lakum muslimin